0: Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Good morning. I'm out of breath. I don't know about you all. I feel like just saying amen and let's just go home early. Because I know some of you, you came here for the master, not the masters. I know they're teeing off and, you know, I'm just going to give this. For those of you who don't know golf, you just got that, I know. For those of you who don't know golf, they teed off a little earlier this morning on the masters. And so I know some of you are going to be having your phones and kind of just paying attention and watching a little. Here's the only thing I'd ask. When someone makes a good shot and it's the middle of my message, just shout, amen, instead of, you know, cheering. Amen. It'll make me feel better, okay? All right, good. Uh, My name is Terry. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It's a joy to welcome you here, especially if you're a new visitor. Um, We're excited that you're here. And today we celebrate uh, the beginning of Holy Week. And if if you're new to Christianity, um, Holy Week represents uh, Palm Sunday all the way through Easter. um, And it signifies Jesus Christ moving towards Jerusalem, understanding that he was about to go to the cross and to sacrifice his love On our behalf. And uh, many of us, we, we confuse Holy Week with Good Friday through Easter. But there's a reason why we call it Holy Week. Because it really starts today. And that's what I'm excited about sharing with you today as we kind of open up scripture and we begin to look at that story. And hopefully I can draw a few things out that you've never read before. And most importantly, hopefully today when you go home, tomorrow when you're at work or when you're going throughout your day, um, you'll have a few items that you can be thinking of to really help you truly make this week a holy week. Now, let me set up kind of where we're going today. Uh, we're talking about the triumphal entry when Jesus Christ is about to head into Jerusalem. And, and what he's going to do is he's going to talk to his disciples and he's going to tell them some stories and then he's going to send some disciples ahead to get him a colt or a donkey as it says in Scripture. And we're going to draw some things out. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 19, uh, starting in verse 28. And in just a second, we're going to unpack that and we'll follow along on the screen in just a second. But to kick things off, um, yesterday, I love how God gives pastors illustrations and real life illustrations. Yesterday, I was at a travel baseball tournament and I helped coach my son's travel baseball team. And uh, I was there and I'll just say it wasn't a good good day for the travel team. It was, uh, you know, there was no joy in Mudville, so to speak. We got walloped twice yesterday. But uh, I'm there and I'm I'm just helping out. I'm in the dugout. And uh, if you don't know baseball, let me kind of try and keep everyone together. Um, Bottom line, when a pitcher has a ball and a pitcher makes a throw to home plate, he has to be consistent. Every time he gets it, he pretty much has to do the same motion. Um, You're not allowed to change your motion because it can deceive a base runner. And that's that's illegal. And so uh, we're staying there. We have our tying run on second base. It's late innings. And so we're all excited. And all of a sudden, the pitcher gets on the mound. And after throwing like this pretty much every time, he does this. And does that. Well, that's, that's illegal. And it's called a balk in baseball. And so here's what coaches do. So we're standing on the sidelines. The fans, everybody sees. Now, there's, even if you don't know baseball, like, there's something not right about that. Well, the pitch went to the backstop, which means behind the catcher. So our runner moved from second to third base. Now, a balk or an illegal pitch means a runner gets one base. So our base runner already got his one base. So basically, it wasn't a big deal. But the umpire never called a balk. And as coaches... We're there to basically call something out. So that way, in case it happens again, the umpire will see it. Because sometimes the umpire, you know, they miss things. I get it. You know, we give them grace. They they do a good job. So as a coach, I'm standing on the side and and the the fans are yelling a little bit. and, And I'm sitting there and true story, and I'm not making this up to try and sugarcoat it. All I did was I said very calmly in this voice, exactly how I said it. I said, hey, Blue, he has to be consistent with his delivery. That's all I did. So, which is, if you've ever coached baseball or been a part, that's nobody. That's what coaches do. That's what we're there. I wasn't rude or anything else like that. All of a sudden, true story, the umpire turns and goes, time! And he's pointing at me, and I'm like, oh, boy. And he says, coach, I've had enough! And I'm looking, that's the first thing I've ever said in the whole game. So I did what every pastor who's wise would do. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. It was this coach, not me. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And I'm standing there, and the next words out of his mouth is, "He got the base anyway," which I'm thinking. So you're admitting that it was a balk and you missed the call. Good. Thank you very much. I didn't say anything. He says, "And another thing." Now I'm standing one foot from the dugout, and every coach in the field is outside the dugout. And he goes, "Get in the dugout." So I started chucking furniture out on the no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. that would be bad, my pastor. So I'm sitting there, and the fans, God bless them, because most of them know me, and they they heard. What did he do? And so the fans start going, bah! and they start yelling at this umpire. And I'm standing there. And the majority of people, even on the other side, the fans are like, what's this guy's problem? He's having a bad day. And everybody is yelling at this umpire. And I'm standing there, and I am biting my lip. I'm like, I'm a pastor. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. And I make a decision in that moment to go against what consensus and the majority are doing. And I bite my lip, and I take one step, and I get in the dugout, and I am nod my head. And meanwhile, our coaches are going crazy. Everyone's going crazy. Things calm down. Um, you know, after the service, I said, God bless you. Um, don't come to my church. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. It would be bad. No, no, no. Um, but anyway, here's the point. The majority of people expected me to join with them. And Truth be told, in a normal situation, I had every right to be upset, mad. He didn't, he didn't deserve to do that to me or anything else like that. But I made a decision in the moment to think outside the moment and make a wise choice for the betterment of everybody. Um, and that's hard. It was really hard. It was hard after the game. Everything in me wanted to go and give that umpire a piece of my mind. But I didn't. And I think in our lives as Christians, there are moments like that that happen every single day and we wish we can have back and we wish that we could go against what the majority of everybody would expect us to do and to be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. And that's what Holy Week draws us to. It draws us to standing out instead of going with the majority. And I'm going to explain that in a sentence in a second. Let me kind of introduce the story and we'll get to it. Jesus Christ is with his disciples. He's on a road and he's heading Jerusalem and we'll unpack it from here. Here we go. In Luke 19, 28, after telling a story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem. Hold on to that. Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Now, I love the Bible. And if you've come to our church, you know I love it because there's so much that we just gloss over and read past because we don't understand it. We don't know context. And that passage, I just, you know, you're looking at me saying, well, Terry, so Jesus was telling a story. He sent two disciples ahead. What's the big deal? Oh, there's such a big deal to this. Because if you understand geography and you know exactly the location of where Jesus Christ was walking, you know that somewhere earlier, a couple years earlier in Jesus' ministry, that something really important happened on that same road to Jerusalem. You see, a while ago when Jesus was about to start his ministry, he allowed Satan, the devil, to tempt him. You could read about this earlier in the New Testament. And Satan was around the same area that Jesus was walking. And he met Jesus and he said, Hey, Jesus, I know you're hungry because Jesus hadn't had anything to eat for a long time. And he said, Hey, Jesus, I know you're hungry. And hey, you're God. And you see these rocks right here, right around this area where you're walking. I want you to turn that to bread so you can feed yourself. I mean, you're God. You can do that. No one's looking. It's not a big deal. And Jesus basically said, no, I'm not going to do that. There's a greater mission here. I am God, but I also am here for a mission and a purpose. And I am fasting right now to prepare myself to be able to ready for a journey to do my ministry. And that would go against my mission. And Satan goes, all right, hey, go to Jerusalem. And I want you to stand and I want you to look at the city. And I want you to throw yourself off. And since you're God, the angels will protect you. You're not going to die because you're God. So go ahead and do something, show something. In other words, go against why you're here. And Jesus, again, withstood the temptation. And could you imagine if you were Jesus? You're God. I mean, if you're hungry and no one's looking, there's a rock. You can turn it into pizza. I changed it, bread, pizza, I like pizza. So I pizza, you can make pizza. He's God. But he chose not to. Why? For a very strong purpose. And what I love about the passage I just read for you is Jesus Christ chose. Now, it was a very common path, I know. But Jesus Christ chose right before he's going to the city to walk along the same path where he was tempted once to change his mission. And he didn't. And now, could you imagine, Jesus Christ is walking to Jerusalem and he knows, he's overwhelmed. I am about to die. I'm about to be brutally beaten, worse than you could ever imagine. And I'm struggling, God. And he allowed himself to go past the place where Satan once said to him, You're God. Why do you need to do this? You can change this. But he fought the temptations and he continued past that area as if to say, Satan, not even this is going to make me go against my mission. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. There is not a path that you are walking that Jesus Christ didn't walk first. There are many of us that say, God, you don't understand. Jesus, you don't really know what I'm going through. I know you want me to do this. God, you want me at times to stand up or to stand out. God, I can't do this because you, you know the repercussions in my job, in my family. I can't do it, God. And I want to remind you, Jesus Christ didn't just walk this earth. He purposely put himself in position so that we can never say, you don't understand, God, what I'm walking through. Because Jesus walked through everything so that we could know we have a Savior that understands what we're going through. He continues on. He says to his disciples, hey, go into that village over there, he told them. And as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one else has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. I love the beauty of this statement because Jesus is doing a couple things here. If you're a note taker, take this down. He's doing two things at this moment. The first thing is he's fulfilling what we in the Christian world call prophecy. Prophecy is something foretold long ago that has not yet happened. And Jesus Christ himself fulfills what was told long ago to make sure we knew that God's truth is real. And so Jesus Christ sends for a colt or a donkey so he can ride into the city. I want to draw you back to the Old Testament where Zechariah once said this. Take a look. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Jesus Christ was fulfilling prophecy one. But there's a second thing here that most of us don't understand. Now, did you know that it was symbolic? If you were a king during biblical times, and if you were coming into a city to conquer it and rule over it, you would ride a war horse or stallion into the city. And if people in the city saw from a distance a king or ruler on a stallion, you understood he is coming to rule over us. It is not peaceful He is coming to take over us. However, if a king rode into a city during a time of peace where there is no battle or nothing in the city, peaceful the visit, then you will see the king riding a colt into the city as if to signify, I come in peace. Now, Jesus Christ sent for a colt. Why? It's because the people of Jerusalem. We're waiting for a new king that would ride a stallion to kick Rome out. Because we're tired of being under Roman rule. We don't like them. So we're waiting for the king to finally kick everybody out. And Jesus said, I'm going to come, but I come for a different purpose. Take a look as we continue on in 36. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for the wonderful miracles they had seen. Hosanna! Blessing on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. But all of a sudden, some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, hey, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And Jesus replied, If they kept quiet the stones along the road, would burst into cheers. Now I want you to imagine the scene. Jesus is entering the, season, in the city. People are waving palm branches in the air and shouting, Hosanna! Now in the Christian world, we've grown up in church thinking, oh, isn't it wonderful? They all love Jesus and they know that he's the son of God and they know that he's going to go to the cross and he's going to die for them and they're waving palm branches because he's God and he's so awesome and amazing. No, that's not why they were waving palm branches. That's not why they were shouting, Hosanna! You see, Hosanna was a political term. Hosanna was into the face of the Romans. Hosanna was, we have a king who's going to come and kick the Romans out. Yes, blessed is he, the king who comes in the name of God to rid us of Roman rule. And they were so excited that Jesus was coming. However, when Jesus started coming in, they noticed he was on a colt. And I have to imagine they're sitting there going, well, well, wait, aren't you, come on, you know, that guy, that soldier right there, he beat my family up. I mean, come in and have, you know, you don't have an army behind you. They're, they're just fishermen. No, 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 we, we don't want that. Where's your army? Come in and kick them out. I don't know how you're going to do it, but do it somehow. And the religious leaders, they didn't tell Jesus to keep them quiet because they believed he was the son of God. They told him to keep them quiet because they were fearful that Rome would come and double down in security and stamp down control in the city. And they told Jesus, hey, tell people to knock it off. Rome's going to get mad. You need to stop this. You see, the majority of people wanted something different than the Son of God. In fact, the religious leaders didn't want a king. They wanted their king. The religious leaders didn't want a prince of peace. They wanted a king to defeat the Romans. Their leaders didn't want a peaceful man riding a colt. They wanted a warrior on a stallion. They didn't want a Jesus with a bunch of radical fishermen. They wanted a legion of armies who were greater than Rome. They didn't want Jesus to tell them they were wrong. They wanted a king to support their ideals. In fact, they didn't necessarily weren't interested in eternal life. They wanted what they thought was a better life. In essence, the people, the religious leaders wanted Jesus to go along with The majority thought. And I think that's what we do sometimes during Easter and what we do in our lives. It's hard being a Christian, isn't it? It's hard, amen, it's hard. It's hard when you live in a work environment that a lot of truth is being said that you know is not truth, but consensus. And it's hard because you feel the Holy Spirit saying, you need to say something. You need to not participate. You don't need to laugh at that. And it's hard. Because, Lord, you know how hard this is. I mean, do you understand where I'm at? And, you know, I, God, I don't know if I can do this. Oh, wait, Jesus never walked a path that we don't necessarily walk. He always walks that same path. Here's some truth for you. Consensus is not the voice of God. Majority rules is not the voice of God. We, we, amen. We live in a culture where... And I'm not making political statements at all. I think we can all agree we live in a culture where if a statement is popular, whether it's true or not, if a majority of people in our country are supporting it, it all of a sudden becomes truth. That's not truth. That's consensus. That's majority. But that doesn't mean it's truth. Jesus is often found in small Numbers. He once said, where two or more gathered, I am present. Here's the point. I believe we as Christians need to start looking for the smaller numbers at times. We need to stop basing our opinions based on what everybody says and instead look at truth. Do you want to know why I know this? Because it's Holy Week. What does holy mean? Holy means set apart. It means to make sacred. Do you know that in the Latin, sacred is sacer. Do you know where sacer comes from? sacrifice. And Holy Week is about, as Christians, sacrifice. How do we stand out? How do we with our families live a light of Christ? And when something is not right, we say, Jesus, you called us and you believe in small numbers. And so I'm going to sit there and I'm going to confront. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to stand out and do what truth says. So here's what I want to challenge us all to to do. In just a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. What a great way to set us apart for this Holy Week. But very practically, how do we put holy back in Holy Week? If you're taking notes, here are four, four choices you have this week that you can participate in to help you put holy back in the week, not just Good Friday to Sunday, but actually all week long. Number one, go small. Do something small for God this week. So many of us, we either go big or go home. I don't believe God wants that. I believe he loves the tiny steps of faith we take each day to grow in our relationship with him. So if you've thought about, I'm going to give this up today and I'm never going to struggle again. And then by about after two hours, you do the same thing over and you say, well, I give up. I'm terrible. I'm awful. God doesn't want me. That's not what a relationship with Christ looks like. Do something small first. Pray for the first time in a while or ever. Some of you haven't talked to God. Some of you have been Christians for a long time. When was the last time you prayed? Some of you who don't know how to pray, it's very simple. It's called talking to God. You can have your eyes open. You can close them. You can get on your knees. God just wants a relationship. I can promise you that. Secondly, read the Easter story this week by yourself or as a family. We've been challenging everybody this week. Invite a friend to Easter service. The number one reason why people do not go to church is because nobody invited them to go. Number two, be the minority. Don't go with the crowd. Stand out for God. Sometimes you need to look at where the crowd's going and ask yourself, is that true? Or God, have you called me to be the voice of reason? Number three, my favorite, humble yourself, ride a donkey. Ride a donkey. Now let me tell you why riding a donkey is really, really important. Do you know after, after both games, or after the first game actually, we got in the car and we had to go to lunch I had my son. He wanted to ride in the car. My son gets in the car and he goes, "Dad, I can't believe that umpire said that to you." And I said, "Yeah, I know. It was it was interesting. He was having a bad day, son." Yeah, but you know what? I mean, Dad. You know, I mean, you, all the fans—they were mad. I mean, Coach. Our coach was mad and everything. I go, "I know, I know." And he goes, "Oh, I can't believe it." And I said, "Well, son. I said, Let me ask you a question." I said, "What did I do?" He goes, "Well, he didn't do anything." I go. Right. I said, Do you think I should have done something? I expect you to go out there and give him a piece of your mind. And I said, Okay. I said, But why do you think daddy chose not to do that? He said, Because you'd have gotten kicked out. And I said, Yep, I would have gotten kicked out. I said, Let me ask you a question. What do you think that would have done to the crowd in the stands? Oh, they would have gone crazy. And I said, Yep. Yeah. I said, what do you think that would have done for our team? And he says, well, we probably would have all mad and not focused and and probably just not able to play much more after that. I go, right. I said, so do you think it was a wise choice for daddy to bite his lip? And he said, probably. And it gave a great opportunity for me to pour into my son. And God brought that because I didn't bring it up to him. He brought it up to me. Here's the point. When you humble yourself and you ride a donkey, sometimes you have no idea the lessons you are gonna pass on to others. And I was blessed because my son brought it out, but my son and all those kids were watching me. And I'm never gonna have a conversation with them, but I know God's gonna use that as an example to them in their lives. And how many of us need to be that example for others? Number four, mind whom or what you're celebrating this week. Why are you celebrating Holy Week? I want you to have fun. I want you to be a part of all the traditions. I want you to have Easter egg hunts. I want you to enjoy yourselves as a family, have an amazing Easter dinner, but I also want you to not forget and to mind what you're celebrating this week. It's important for Holy Week to remember that no matter whether you believe you can do what I just said or not, that Jesus Christ can identify with any situation or struggle that you've experienced or are experiencing. And so let's, as believer in Christ, truly make this a holy week. In just a moment, our servant leaders are going to come forward. And they're going to pass elements, bread and wine, represented by crackers and juice. And as they pass it in front of you, here's what I'd like you to do. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ in this room, that you're invited to the table to participate, I invite you to grab both elements and hold them. And talk to God, maybe for the first time in a long time. At the, after everyone's been served, I will come back up and I will lead us to receive the elements to participate in Holy Communion. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time. And God, right now I ask for you to search our hearts. And God, we lift our hearts and we ask for your forgiveness of sin. And God, and we ask you to come in and to cleanse us and to cast our sin as far as the east is from the west because we don't want anything separating us from you. God, we receive these elements as believers in Christ in remembrance of Holy Week and why you are holy. So, Father, bless this time, and may you receive the glory. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.